Hi, this is Nathan Pierce, and you are joining us again for another Red Talk. It's Ranting Engineers on DevOps. And today I have a special guest from WWT. I have with me Joel King. Joel, do you want to just quickly tell us what you do at WWT? Sure, thanks, Nathan. Um, I'm a solutions architect, principal architect at Worldwide Technology, and I focus on SDN and, and network programmability here at Worldwide Technology. So, very suitable then for the kind of discussions we have on this channel. Um, in fact, inspired by the last episode with Hitesh Patel when we talked about GitHub, I'm even wearing my GitHub shirt today. Um, so, the reason I wanted to have you on, I mean, we, we, we had one of your colleagues on before and it was great talking about, you know, Worldwide Technologies position and what you're seeing in the market. But um, then, I, then I heard about this awesome solution you guys developed. In fact, I think you won an award for it. Um, and I wanted to just take a little bit of a dive into that because it was an ex excellent real-world use case. Um, we have a lot of people that work in labs and are like, oh, look, I can make this talk to this thing. And that, that's, that's not as real-world as we, <laughs> we'd like to see. And I think what you guys have achieved is, is something really cool. So uh, what, what is it that you guys have, have worked on there? So I was approached back in January by our security team uh, to take a look at Phantom Cyber. And Phantom Cyber is a, is a relatively small startup company, which I think has a lot of future in this space. They are, they are a security automation and orchestration framework for integrating or providing a connective tissue between different assets, different devices in the network. And what they do is, is connect these devices through applications and through their APIs to be able to provide a, a, a dashboard for security operations to automate the ingestion of data from different devices, but also allow them to run Python-based playbooks, which will change configurations of different devices in the network based on uh, reaction to security incidents. Ah, okay. So when something's going on that's bad, we can actually automate the process of securing against that problem. Right, right. So uh, how we um, how we got involved with uh, the, this uh, package was they were running an app contest. So Phantom Cyber had a, a ten thousand dollar contest that they kicked off late in January. Our security team knew that I had experience coding in Python and asked me to take a look at it. So after some investigation, the first step was is to learn how to ingest data. So what, uh, what I put together there was the ability to take metadata off of an IP phone and create security incidents around that. And what that gave us the ability to do then was have data that was sort of test data that we could develop other applications against. And in the process, uh, we were also working on provisioning uh, F5 appliances from Ansible. So we had developed some Python code uh, to, to run as Ansible modules to do that provisioning. So as part of this app contest, I realized there wasn't an F5 app there. So I said, well, why not develop an F5 app in the contest? And, and certainly it was a good idea because we ended up winning first place in that contest with our F5 app and also an app with Meraki. Do you want me to show you a few slides on that? 
Yeah, please do. Please do. So if I understand correctly, I think, I think the important thing to take away here is that it was multiple levels of integration. I mean, you had the security event kind of engine, you had Ansible that was able to glue together some of the parts that needed to be done. And then you've got the devices at the end that are providing the enforcement of that policy, which was um, the big IP at the end of the chain. So it's it's not like it was just a Python script that talked to one device. It was the fact that you've managed to take multiple engines and orchestrators and chain them together to achieve uh, a business solution. Is that, have I understood that correctly? It, yes, and, and, and that's the whole key with, um, with FAM Cyber. They develop Python, uh, Python playbooks, which can orchestrate any number of devices from that playbook. So let's, let's take an example where a customer may have a number of F5 appliances in their network, but they may also have uh, routers that do um, access lists to prevent uh, you know, prevent or prevent access into the network. Well, what Phantom gives you the ability to do is 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 run playbooks to let's say add rules in the F5, but also update access lists in the in a Cisco router, for example, or or in an ASA firewall or some other firewall. So you can really chain fairly robust um, actions together to be able to hit all of the devices in your network from one playbook. Okay, that's cool. Now you said you had some diagrams you can show us and uh, help explain this a little better. Let's uh, let's share the screen here with that. Yeah, sure. Should be able to see that. Yep. Okay. So one of the nice things about Phantom is is the app developer really doesn't have to focus on the user interface. That's part of the framework. So the documentation for the app uh, is provided through a JSON file and really the app developer focuses on the APIs that are used to communicate with the device, in this case uh, the F5. So all of the documentation, all of the testing of connectivity is part of the application. And what Mark and I had worked on in the past was uh, uh, code uh, Ansible modules, Python modules that run within Ansible to be able to do the provisioning from a management IP address for bringing up LTM, GTM on the F5 appliance. And that module was written in a generic enough manner that I was able to use that same code base and take that into Phantom Cyber and use that the basis of the Phantom F5 app. So the reason why I looked at F5 was is there wasn't an app there uh, previously for F5 within St. Phantom. And because of all of this work that Mark and I had done around all the automation and initial provisioning of F5, we thought it would be a good way to reuse that particular code base. And that's what you see on this item here is, is if you look at the uh, the the uh, contest that, that F5 uh, ran back in June, the pro programmability contest. Mark, uh, Mark was fortunate enough to win that contest with his Ansible playbooks using that same F5 module that I developed. But I also incorporated that F5 Python module, as you can see on the left-hand side of the screen, 
into the Phantom app itself. So this is really a good case where as you become more mature in your, in your automation journey, you start looking at the network in a more, um, more holistic manner, saying if I have a, a, a device there with an F5i control, well, I need to be able to influence that configuration, let's say from Ansible, but I may also want to influence that configuration from a security package like Phantom. So really under the covers, you have one module that serves multiple purposes with multiple platforms within your network. That's great. That's an efficient way of keeping all that together as well. I'm sorry, I didn't quite, go ahead. I, I, that's, that just seems a far more efficient way of stitching it together when you've got reusable modules that you can use uh, for linking multiple solutions. What the advantage there is, is you debug it once, right? Once you have code written that you can debug through the, eight, through the iControl APIs, you're using that same uh, testing and debugging capability in multiple instances. So it makes you much more efficient and effective in, uh, in using um, the iControl interface because you have one generic module that you can use in a number of different applications. This is great. I'm, I'm going to share these links out afterwards. I'll put them in the description uh, for the the video after the after the hangout. Um, so if anyone wants to access these, um, the iControl code base or the Ansible playbook, etc., um, I'll, I'll, I'll get those links off you, um, Joel, before we before we end the day. But um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued now. I mean, this is great. You've shown, you've explained kind of how it works from a, a technical perspective, how you got them to link together. But what made you choose this solution? Particularly, I mean, is this have you seen a gap? Is security often missing from automation solutions? It's, it's in its infancy. I, I've seen some statistics that in the next four or five years, the addressable market for security automation and orchestration will be $17 billion. The problem, the problem that security operations has today is the fact that they can't hire their way out of their problem. They have too few skilled security technicians. The only way to make them more efficient is to provide automation and orchestration for, the, for those uh, technicians that are addressing security incidents. And of course, every company is seeing more and more security exposure and ex security incidents. So the only way to address that is to be able to provide as many automation tools as possible to make the, their time more efficient. Understand. I, I, I must be honest with a lot of this, I hadn't thought about it until you said it just now, but I, in a lot of the things I've read, especially when it comes to um, DevOps tool chains, you know, continuous deployment, continuous integration, I, I got to admit, I thinking about it, I don't see a lot of the security solutions baked into that. They're all more focused on how quick can I get the app out deployed so the developer can move on to the next bit of code they need to write, the next feature or the next app. But, I mean, if we can't bait security into that tool chain, then we're throwing vulnerabilities out onto the internet, and that's probably not very good. Right. Yeah, that's, that, that definitely seems like an area that needs to catch up. And I guess the best way to achieve that is if you're writing these reusable bits of code, these modules that you can plug into Ansible and call from whether it's Phantom Cyber or maybe someone's using a different solution another way, but you can still reuse that code. And, and 
uh, get the same functionality because I mean, as it says in the description on the previous slide, it's it's the ability to to drop or block or it's it's the same end result that you're going to trigger via the playbook, but it might be from someone running it from their their desktop. Maybe they're using Postman and they want to run it, or they want to come up from a different orchestrator that's sitting between Phantom and and the end device. It's great to have that reusable code once you've written it that you can plumb into whatever that particular customer's environment is or tool of choice right and, and that's uh, you know that's where we see sort of the progression of people on this automation journey many people start out with doing some simple scripts that are very uh, procedural based they're not object-oriented code they're not particularly modular but then as you become a bit more experienced uh, with automation and automation tool sets, you start looking at the much bigger picture and you become more sophisticated in your automation journey. And that's where the ability to share code, to be able to write code that is generic and very modular and can be used in a num number of different instances becomes very important because it leverages all that development effort and makes you, you know, far more efficient. And that's really one of the advantages of Python is there are so many freely available modules that people can use. It makes the code very succinct, and it gives you the ability to, to, to test very small portions of code, knowing that whoever contributed that underlying module has already debugged and developed it for you. That's, um, that's a fantastic automation pro tip there, Joe, that you've just given everyone. So uh, taking that, that extra bit of time early on to make sure that it's, what you're writing is very um, object-oriented, reusable functions, those kind of things, not coding directly to just one solution's API, but writing code that can be called by anything. Um, that's going to make things much easier in the long term, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to help not get locked into certain technologies that you can't get out of later. Right, right. That's a really good advice. No, I appreciate you sharing that. So any, any predictions, got any solutions you're working on next that we should keep our eye out for? Well, we're, uh, we're continuing to, to, uh, to work on different applications with uh, Phantom. Uh, there's a lot of interest in that. And certainly we have uh, seen an increased interest um, in F5 automation in our customer base. We have a number of customers that are in the process of deploying uh, new data centers at remote geographies, and, and they are uh, coming to Worldwide and asking for automation through Ansible to be able to do continuous deployments in the remote data centers. Um, the past six months, we've seen a tremendous uptick in, in customers that are looking for automation solutions, especially around F5. Okay, interesting, interesting. That's, um, that's really good to hear, actually, because, well, as you know, I'm a huge advocate for, <laughs> for any kind of programmability. That's the team I work in, the programmability and orchestration team. So it's good to hear um, that. And I guess when you automate, I mean, that frees up more time to add more value to what you're deploying as well. If you're having to do everything manual, you're going to end up deploying just a subset of functionality and capability instead of maybe what you could have achieved if you'd automated it and added more things into the solution. Well, and the other thing too is that some of these configurations are quite complex in, in any product, F5 or, or any product. 
and automating gives you the ability to to eliminate the human error, the human mistakes, and that's really a, a, a big issue in many networks. Um, you know, if you have a hundred routers and sixty of them are configured differently than the other forty, that's just an that's just a uh, an accident waiting to happen, so to speak. So, just the whole concept of automation makes you and forces you to be a bit more, it's certainly more accurate in the configurations, but more consistent as well. And that eliminates a lot of problems in people's networks. Yeah, there's a, there's a significant um, reduction in exposure to operational risk that comes with automation. Right. When you're using reusable code or even, even templates in a way that the, the templates are ratified within that specific environment. You know they've been tested thoroughly for that customer's deployment types, for their code versions, for their, their platform versions. And then it's much easier to continually just reapply that template over and over when it's already been tested for that use case and for that environment versus manually entering the same thing and again and again, I mean, well, I know how reliable I am if I have to write just a couple hundred lines of code. I'm going to get a couple of typos in there. If I didn't have to write the every single line individually, well, the exposure to that problem is drastically reduced. Right. Well, it's always great to talk with another advocate of, um, of automation and orchestration. Thank you for your time. I hope, I hope we can um, see you again in the future and talk about future solutions that you're working on. Okay. Thanks very much, Nathan. Thanks, Joel. Um, so you've been listening to Red Talks. Uh, this is another episode, and we've had a chat today with Joel King of WWT. Thanks for listening. Thank you.